Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the Psalms. We've entitled this series, Worship in Technicolor. Why? Because the Psalms give us the language to worship God in every single situation in life. Good days, bad days, happy days, sad days. Two weeks ago, Corey began sort of a little mini section within the Psalms about God's word. And what he shared with us from Psalm 19 was that God talks to us in a very personal way in his word. Last week, I had the privilege of sharing from Psalm 119 that we talk back to God in a very personal way through his word. And this morning, this morning, we want to address That moment in our lives, when having declared to God who he is, and described to God our situation, and cried out to God for his help, and then tried to delight in God himself and his provision, we still find ourselves struggling to find peace within We find ourselves battling discouragement, hopelessness, maybe even depression. I mean, we've done all the right things. We are Christians. We love Jesus. But but we feel like we're on this this crazy, storm-wracked boat called life. And we just don't have our bearings. We're disoriented. Our soul is is not quiet. If you remember that picture a couple of weeks ago of the duck, above water it looks perfectly still, and underneath the water just struggling. That's us. I mean, we look one way, but inside there is tumult. There's a lot of noise. Our soul is not quiet. And God has given us the gift of Psalm 131, to speak to us about a quiet soul. As a matter of fact, that's the title of this message, a quiet soul. Is your soul quiet this morning? Now, I'm not talking about your mouth, because for some of us, that rarely happens. And that's okay, that's who we are. (laughs) But I'm asking about your soul. Are you quiet on the inside? Or do you find yourself, as one author would put it, noisy inside, busy, 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 obsessed, on the edge. The to-do list and pressures to achieve are consuming you. You're tempted by feelings of failure and despair. Anxiety is spinning inside your head. You are worried. You are preoccupied regrets corrode your inner experience. Irritation and dissatisfaction are always with you. You are stumbling through the minefield of blind longings and fears. Are you quiet inside? If your answer is no, then this should lead you and it leads us to ask, why not? What is the noise going on inside of us? Where does it come from? Why do we lose our composure? Why do we get worried, irritable, wearied, or hopeless? Well, God is going to speak to us wisdom 
through Psalm 131. He's going to speak to us about getting quiet inside. So let's read his words of wisdom. It's a short psalm. It's three verses. It's written by King David, who knew a lot about struggles and conflict and the temptation that would swirl around him. But he penned these words. He penned these words for us. So let's read them. Psalm 131, verse 1. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. God inspired King David to write this psalm to provide you and me with the confidence that he is in control and the confidence to trust in him in the midst of struggle. God himself will quiet your soul, dear friend, in the midst of your struggles. In the midst of your struggles to trust him, God will speak to your soul these words, peace, be still, and know that he is God. In fact, that is the main point of this text and of this sermon. This is God's burden for you and me this morning, that we would be able to say this, peace, be still, and know that he is God. Peace, be still, and know that he is God. And it begins by confessing that we are not God. Point one. What is the wisdom to find this quietness within? Where does this peace come in the midst of the storm? It comes by humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we learn this from King David. Listen to what he writes in verse one. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. King David spoke to his soul and found peace within by staying in his lane. What was his lane? His lane was to be king. He was put in that lane by God himself. But David realized that though as king he could control many, many things, he was not God and there were many things outside of his control. Oftentimes, you will find a lack of peace. You will find tumult, even hopelessness, anxiety and fear when you try to control the things that you cannot control. And when you do that, what you're doing is you are occupying yourself, look at the end of verse 1, with things too great and too marvelous for you, you are playing God rather than worshiping God. And even David, the great king, who would be tempted, if anybody was tempted to play God and to think that he was God, it would be a king, it would be David. But he understood that the only place to find quietness and true peace is to realize I'm not God. I've got to stay in my lane. I've got to realize that I cannot control things. He he said to himself, 
My soul is not lifted up. I do not occupy myself with things too great for me. Here's the question for you. If you are struggling with trusting God, if you are struggling with anxiety and fear and worry, what are you trying to control that you simply cannot control? Where have you swerved out of your lane? Where is God calling you to get back into your lane? Now, if you're a parent, typically that will begin with your children. If you're a human being, it can include your health or the health of your loved ones. It may be your finances. It may be your career. It may be a relationship. Much of the anxiety and the fear that we experience is birthed from pride. From trying to control that which we cannot control. It can begin with the weather. That's an easy one. Woke up this morning, heard the thunder and lightning. Sunday is a day where I want everybody to gather, and I'm thinking, oh boy, it's going to rain today. Lord, why couldn't it rain yesterday when I was outside helping someone do some lawn work and I was almost dying from heat prostration? I actually prayed. I said, Lord, can it rain right now? (laughs) Guess what? I cannot control whether it rains today. And this is seen most acutely during hurricane season, right? How many of us are just glued to the TV? Go to the right, Hurricane Irma. Go west. No, go right. Wait a second. Don't go there. My kids are in Orlando. You're going to Orlando. I can't control where Hurricane Irma is going to go. But, but we laugh. But if I don't watch it, I can go crazy about where Hurricane Irma is going. Or how about the approval of others? I cannot control what you think of me. And if I, if I get out of my lane and try to control what you think of me, I will go crazy. That that's actually happens to a lot of people. It's called the fear of man. The Bible addresses it. At the root of it is that I'm going outside my lane. I cannot control whether you approve of me or not, but Christian, here's where the gospel speaks to us so much joy. But the one who actually matters to us all has said to you, Christian, I approve of you in Christ. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. It's yours. And so when I think that everybody hates me, when I think that my boss is about to fire me, when I think that all those people at work are thinking horrible things about me, or even worse, my family members, and I'm starting to freak out, and I'm starting to wring my hands, and should I send this email or that text, or maybe I should do this for them, or when I see them next, I want to get them to like me. I want to get them to like me. God likes you. God's approved of you. Take that breath and go, I cannot control whether you like me or not. I want you to like me. I'm very likable. (laughs) In my own mind. (laughs) But God has approved of me in Christ. Man. That'll lower your blood pressure a little bit. Hopefully that gives you a smile on your face, even though there are people that are really saying some bad things about you. God approves of you in Christ. That's good news, church. That's good news. 
But there's a second thing that David speaks to us here in in verse 1. There's a second thing that we need to look at when we think about how do we find that quiet place and that peace is by staying in our lane, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, not trying to control what we can't control. But the second thing is, what do I crave? What do I crave? What's driving me? What am I going after? If it is something that God has not given you, you as well will go crazy. Now, David gives us an example both on the positive and the negative. On the positive, David was anointed king. And he trusted God with that and did not grasp it. This afternoon, study this for yourself in 1 Samuel 24 and 26. He did not grasp the kingdom but waited for God to give him the kingdom. And he was able to remain at peace. And it was a very difficult time for David. The current king tried to kill David. And David just trusted God. In fact, there was one point in his life when he was in a cave and the king that was trying to kill him came into the cave to relieve himself. And David was in the shadows. And David could have killed that king and grasped the kingdom. And he said to the person that told him to kill Saul the king, he said, no, 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 no. This is in God's hands. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm not going to crave what's not mine yet. And he didn't kill him. Actually, he cut a little piece of his his robe off. And later he said, look, I could have killed you. I was this close. But I didn't because I trust God. That's a good positive example. So in your life, what are you craving? Rather than grasping at it, trust God. Stay in your lane. But here's a negative aspect for David. See, later on in his life as an older man, David grasped for something. He craved something that wasn't his, another man's wife. And as a result of going after that other man's wife, he became an adulterer and a murderer. And great disorder and great suffering was visited upon the kingdom of Israel. You see, the quietness in our soul depends on us bowing our knee and saying, Jesus, you're in control, not me. God, you are God. I'm not God. Your will be done, not my will be done. But it can also be disturbed by the cravings or what the Bible calls the selfish ambition. As a matter of fact, James, who oftentimes has been called the wisdom literature of the New Testament. There's a lot in James that's similar to Proverbs and Psalms. And James, I think, thinking about Psalm 131, penned the following words. I truly believe James was influenced by this text when he gives us this interpretation of that text. James 3.16 For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. There will be the legs of the duck going crazy underneath the water. Because you want what isn't yours, and you will have it, by golly, whatever it takes. And you will stop at nothing to get it. You will destroy everything around you to include your own self to get what's not yours. And David says, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. If you find yourself at that place, you've got to ask yourself, why? Am I trying to control what I can't control? Am I craving what is not mine? And it's at that point that we say, peace, be still, and know that he is God. I'm not God. He is God. Humility. Well, second, 
If you look at verse 2, point 2, hush your soul in God's arms. You guys remember the lullaby, hush little baby, don't say a word. Mama's going to buy you a mockingbird. A mockingbird? It is a lullaby, verified. You may or may not have sung it. It comes from the, the deep south. But here's the idea. In verse 2, David gives us a picture. What is the picture? But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. A weaned child is a child that has learned how to eat food, solid food. So a weaned child is not in the mother's arms, restless and majadero, you know, that whole thing there. But a weaned child has learned to feed himself or herself and resting comfortably in a mother's arms. And so what David is saying is, like a weaned child, I rest in God's arms. Now why is that so significant? Because these are the arms, church, that were crucified for you on the cross. David is looking to Jesus. David is anticipating Jesus. David is resting in the God who said, I will bring a savior from your line, a king who is in control of everything. And it's not you, David. See, we rest in the arms of the one whose hands were nailed to the cross. We rest in the arms of the one who reaches out those arms and says, peace, be still to the storms. I can only imagine Jesus would have been thinking of this. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41 on the screen. And as this whole scenario is playing out a thousand years later, listen Listen to what Jesus says, Mark 4, 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He's the one in whose arms we hush our soul and say, I'm resting in you. He's the one who speaks, Peace be still to the waves and the wind and the water that is coming upon your ship that is threatening your little life. He can speak to it in a moment and say, Peace be still and they will cease. But you need to know this, that if they're raging in your life, they're raging under his control. And you can try to shake God awake and say, God, don't you know I'm dying? We do it all the time, don't we? That's okay. But that's when he's going to look you in the eyes and say, I'm in control of that storm. When I desire, I will say, peace be still. 
See, my prayer for you this morning, I believe God's burden for you this morning is this, that you would rest and you would know the embrace of the one who rules over all. It's in his arms that we rest as a weaned child. And point three, that leads us to hoping in your Lord. I love verse three. Verse three is one of my favorites. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In whom do you hope? In yourself? In others? In your bank account? In that good report from your doctor? In the fact that you got great grades? Or everybody likes you today? Or do you hope in the Lord who never changes? Are you like that weaned child who trusts their mother to take care of them even more? Even more. We could trust our God for God is sovereign. God rules. God speaks to the storm. See, this hope, this hope is in the God who knows what you need before you ask for it. I believe Jesus in Matthew 6, was referencing Psalm 131 that was in his mind when he spoke to his followers on the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 6, he's speaking to them about serving God and God alone. That's what it means to hope in the Lord. It means I serve God. And he says to them, you can't serve two masters. You can't hope in two simultaneously. You will either serve God or you will serve money. The word there is mammon. Where's your hope? Where's your hope? You can only serve God or money, God or mammon. And then Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious about your life, but hope in God, who is your heavenly father. He knows what you need. And then he says the following on the screen, Matthew 6, 31 to 34. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Simply, that just represents all of life. This goes beyond what you eat, drink, and wear. It's everything. Verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And here's the key, verse 33. This this interprets Psalm 131, verse 3. Hope in the Lord, here's what it means. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Hoping in the Lord means seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And here's the good news, Christian. The very righteousness that is yours by faith, Christ's righteousness. You don't make it happen. Stop with the feet underneath the water. Jesus made it happen. And so I trust him. I hope in him. I believe this is what God is ministering to us this morning when we think about this main point. Peace, be still, and know that he is God. It is his righteousness. It is his care. It is his ability to say, peace, be still to the storm. It is he is the one that will bring me to the end. I will make it to the end because he is strong. He is faithful. Though I am unfaithful, he is faithful. Though I am weak, he is strong. Though I can't see anything beyond my hand, metaphorically speaking, he sees it all comprehensively. 
And so I trust him. I hope in him. I seek him first. Here's the appeal. The appeal is very simple. It's, it's the basic tenet of the sermon. Peace, be still, and know that he is God. I think at the core of much of our anxiety, I know at the core of much of my anxiety, is, is just my desire to control what I can't control. My cravings for things that are not mine. My lack of faith that he is the one who calms the sea and my seeking of things other than the kingdom of God. And then God gives me grace in Christ. He sustains me to humble myself. David Pallison, I love the way he says this. He says, pride dies as the humility of faith lives. That's very simply put. Pride dies as the faith of humility lives. What does humble faith look like? It looks like taking down the ladders to nowhere that pride has erected. Right? There's this, we erect these ladders to nowhere. Oh, I wonder if the weather's going to be good today for the golf outing. I'm really worried about it. Oh, it I crave that promotion at work. I know I've got to have that. I crave their approval. That suddenly they'll, they'll finally be happy with me. That was personally and still is at times a ladder to nowhere that I've erected in my heart that has led to a soul that could be very disturbed and anxious. See, my ladder to nowhere was the approval of my father and proving that my life was not wasted. Over the years, I, have, I had felt that my parents thought that I was wasting my life by going into the ministry rather than pursuing a career in law and politics. And if you've grown up in the home of an immigrant, you will understand that. Given my sinful motivation for self-exaltation, I had operated under the assumption that if I were, to be, if I were a successful pastor, defined, erroneously I might add, by the size of the church and my own popularity, I could prove that I did not waste my life. Wow. Talk about a ladder to nowhere. Yeah. An idolatrous ladder erected by my own self-exalting heart. Thankfully, God is helping me to get down from that ladder and climb onto his ladder based on his righteousness in Christ and his call to care for his people, which was the basic scripture that God gave me when he called me to the ministry. It's found in 1 Thessalonians. It simply says... That Paul says, I'm going to care for this, God's people, and they will be my crown at Christ's return. And the Lord's simply whispering in my eyes, is my crown enough for you, Al, or do you have to construct your own crown? (laughs) But it's been working that out for 35 years. May I be satisfied, may you be satisfied with God's call to live a life of service for Him. See, I've got to ask you this, what's your ladder? What rung are you on your ladder? If your soul lacks peace, then you might want to ask yourself, what ladder am I on right now? Am I seeking his kingdom first? Am I humbling myself under God's hand? Your will be done, not mine. I can't control that, Lord. What I'm craving here, okay, that's, that's off. Are you hushing your soul in the arms of the one who says, peace be still to the storm? Lord, give me more faith. Lord, I believe 
but I'm looking at those waves with one eye. Help my unbelief. I find myself shaking you awake, metaphorically speaking, during the storm. And you look at me and said, I've got it. You won't die. Where's your hope? Is, is, it, is it the kingdom? Is it, is it Christ? See, my hope was in this ladder of success. <laughs> and God's gracious. He says, come on down, Al. Al, come on down. It's not going anywhere. If you have little kids, right, you tell them to come down, they go, no. (laughs) Come down, no. Unlike me, God never gets mad at us when we do that. (laughs) He loves us. He embraces us. And then we get on the ladder that he's called us to. So you may be asking yourself, how do I do that, Al? Well, I think it starts with prayer. And I want to end the sermon with this prayer from the Apostle Paul. I think Paul, in Philippians 4, was thinking about Psalm 131. I really do. You understand that Paul, Jesus, James, they were all Jewish, right? They probably had memorized Psalm 131. By the way, Psalm 131 was one of the Psalms of Ascent, one of the 14 Psalms that were written for Jewish pilgrims as they were walking into Jerusalem for one of the great festivals of, of their life, either Passover or Pentecost or whatever. And they would sing these Psalms as they were ascending the, the steps of the temple. Their mind and their hearts were on God. And this is only a three-verse Psalm. So you figure every Jewish young boy memorized this one, right? They knew this psalm. And when Paul wrote Philippians 4, I believe he was thinking this psalm. And this is what helps you and me to pray when our knees are buckling, when our feet are paddling, when we're worried, when we're fearful. Listen, listen on the screen. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Here's how you humble yourself and hush your soul and hope in God. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything? Anything. But in everything, 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 by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And here's the promise, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I'm going to stay in my lane. I don't understand it. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to stay in my lane. Passes all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, Here's where your storms meet your master. And they submit to your master. Because he says, peace be still. The winds and the waves must obey. The demons must bow. When your storms meet your master. Let's pray. Worship team, join me up front. Father, I pray that you would help us. There are some of us here this morning who wrestle with this right now in a very real way. There are storms all around us. There are unanswered questions. Lord, it seems like nothing is under our control, and we're tempted to think it's nor is it under your control. Lord, we're we're desperate. Some are very anxious and fearful, some are hopeless. It's been years. Lord, would you have mercy upon your people as we humble ourselves? James himself said a little later in his epistle, 
God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Lord, we humble ourselves before you right now. And we just confess. You are with us forever. God, you are faithful. Lord, we we sing this to you. We pray that you would now minister to our souls. Lord, I pray you minister to the congregation. Lord, minister to the worship team as they're playing. Lord, their own selves praying, asking you for this grace. Lord, bless your people. We come humbly. We come broken. We we want this, God. And, And if we don't want it, help us to want to want it. Or to want to want to want to want it. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. Our hope's not in our own abilities. It's in your sovereign grace. In Jesus' name. You can look this way in a moment. Zeke can start playing softly and then we're going to sing forever. Listen. There is good reason for you to be afraid and anxious when you look at the dangerous world around you and your total inability to control things. But there is better reason for you to be at peace because God is in control. That's a fight. I grant you that. But it's true. The fight doesn't make it any less true. There's better reason. And I pray that God minister that to you right now as we stand and sing this. And if you can't sing it, then listen to those around you sing it. And if you can sing it, sing it extra loud for those who can't. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand, let's sing forever. Let's come.